Okay, Eric. By the way, it's really good to see you again. <laughs> good to see glad, you. Glad to you All right, so um, the point that was uh, we were in was is that when we begin to practice and practicing in the sense of being in the here now, then the breathing, because we're in seclusion, there's not a lot of stuff happening. And so we pay attention to what is happening, like our breathing and our thoughts, uh, our, our feelings, the mood we're in, uh, the states of mind that we have, et cetera, like that. Uh, and that then the, the idea of that is, is that when we're practicing on the inside and begin to see what's there and become familiar with it, that um, we be actually become friends with ourselves. We start nurturing. We intentionally nurture. We intentionally uh, accept ourselves, warts and all, so that we can actually see what's going on, see the dukkha, because if we can't see it, we can't change it. And if we don't want to see it because we don't like it, then we can't see it. Okay, so that's the one side is when we're um, alone, we pay attention to the body, we pay attention to the breathing, we pay attention to the senses, and we pay attention to the feelings, the states of mind, right? The Anapanasati. All right, so when we go out in public, now we have a whole lot more sensory input to deal with. That when we're in a conversation like the two of us now, instead of just paying attention to your breathing and just paying attention to the um, to the thoughts and the states of mind that you're in, you've got this new input, which is my image and my voice. And so now what we can say is, is that uh, the duty to the Dhamma, our obligation when we're in seclusion to pay attention to what's happening, that means that when we're in conversation with someone, we actually have a duty to listen and to look, to pay close attention to the other person. Whether we're talking or whether we're actually listening, looking at the person, paying attention to them is um, part of the practice. Okay, and you've got fairly good eye contact. I see a lot of students who will be looking down like that and then looking up. In fact, where the eyes are looking and which way the face is pointing is quite telling. <laughs> yeah, very good. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's one of the things that I did want to say to you on, uh, on the video is to congratulate you for actually paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> because that's that makes a good listener and good listeners then make good friends that you don't have to talk a lot to be good good friends that if you listen to what people say they will feel greatly grateful for that i feel like i know how to be a good friend i just don't feel motivated to be friendly towards most of people towards who most of the people well that's the other side of it most of the people are not worthy of your friendship Ordinary, say but, okay um when i say it like that that sounds strange 
But Jesus said it directly when he says, don't put your pearls before the swine. Mm -hmm. Right. How do you reconcile that with uh, make friends everywhere you go? Well, yeah, but you're not going to make deep, long lasting friendships with people who are trying to take advantage of you or wanting things from you or whatever like that. That in fact, this is where it comes in to gaining noble friends. That if you can find people that already have learned the Dhamma on the inside, now the two of you or the group can practice being friendly on the outside, just like you've been practicing being friendly to yourself on the inside. This is why we're looking for noble Sangha. Mm-hmm. And that uh, uh, I imagine that it's possible that it's that there are many, many different groups. I could imagine that, in fact, um, within a military, this is what they want to have within the platoon. They want that platoon to be cohesive. They want those guys to care about one another. So if one of them gets wounded, two or three of them are going to go out in a hail of bullets and grab that guy and bring him back into the trench or something like that, that they do want that small group to have that cohesion. All right. But it's hard for a DI to teach that. It's almost like a secondary kind of thing that hopefully they'll the platoon will learn to to uh, depend upon one another. But that doesn't happen. Um, Maybe, in fact, the intensity of battle is what brings that camaraderie together. Then, in fact, you've heard uh, about it is that guys who were army buddies together, they tend to be really close, lifelong friends. Because they actually were in the heat of the battle, able to merge into a, a sangha. All right. They did it naturally they did it ignorantly what we're doing is in fact doing it um wisely intentionally joining that song intentionally making friends helping each other and so whenever people come say they, they're thinking about coming to thailand i want to be there for them Yeah, come stay on my porch, eat my food. Here, I'll take you to this place and that place and that kind of thing to be really close to one another. Actually, Uh, I want to start planning my trip to Thailand, but um, maybe that's too much of a tangent. Oh, well, yeah, I'll come. (laughs) Yeah, I need a a visa. And to get a visa to Thailand, I would have to go to Mexico, but I need a visa to Mexico, too. No, all we need to come into Thailand now is a shot record for the COVID. A shot record to, to make sure that you've got the COVID. That's the thing that the Thai government cares about. But um, entry visas or tourist visas can be had at the entry point. Mm-hmm. Now, um, 
especially you fly in, which is the way that almost all Westerners would would come to Thailand. So you can come into Thailand and get a, a, a visa right then and there. And I think and it is good for, for 45 are, days. Are you sure that that applies to every nationality? Uh, no, I'm I'm not sure. Um, yeah, because I checked and and they tend to be strict with uh, non-first world countries. Um, you could probably find that out on the internet by going to the Thai embassy and see if there's any national restrictions. But I don't think so. I don't think that, that Thailand plays that kind of politics so much. Mm. Yeah, what, what I what I found online is that the embassy that I would have to apply to is in Mexico. So I would have to get through that hurdle to get first the Mexican visa to get an interview in the Thai embassy at Mexico and then uh, get my visa approved. But if you hear that the other thing, what you're saying is possible, then that'd be nice. And then if not, then I would also like to know about how to how to go about getting like a recommendation or an invitation from uh, a what to apply for and this other type of well, visa. We're actually working on that. I don't think that you would need to have an invitation. I've never heard anybody needing a, an invitation to come to Thailand from a what. It's mm -hmm. more that once you're in Thailand, Uh, the Watt that you're at will then help you to get the longer term religious visas. But you have to be there established. But I have not heard anybody say anything about uh, that Thailand doesn't allow certain South American countries people to come. I'm not saying that allowed. I, I'm just saying that I don't think that it's possible to get the entry visa at, at the border or at the airport. Well, last year that was true, but they've changed the visa laws and I have seen. Basically, uh, I haven't really cared much about what country that they've come from, but I've seen probably a, a dozen people now who have come in with no visa at all and get their visa stamped right there at the border or right there at the airport. No okay. visa necessary. That's good now. That's for the that's for a tourist visa is a short term visa. It can be extended without leaving the country. But a more permanent visa is called a non immigrant visa. Mm -hmm. In fact, I don't even think that they have an immigrant visa for Thailand, but the non immigrant visa means is that it's it's a longer term and those would be business or work or education, religion, retirement. Uh, and marriage, I think, would be the uh, uh, the various ways uh, for those longer visas. And that one you would have to get at an embassy outside of Malaysia or outside of Thailand. And so people uh, up in North Thailand, they go to Laos, to Vent Nguyen, and in, depending upon where in South Thailand you are, they either go to Burma or go to Malaysia. And uh, over in the east, they would go to... Uh, Uh, Cambodia to get the visa. Okay. And that would be a non immigrant visa, and they're good for three months and can be extended. Okay. Permanently. 
so that you know in fact to be honest with you i have not left thailand now in 11 years i have not been outside of thailand in 11 years mm -hmm. and so that's uh, uh that shows that uh, the visas kind of work um we have to meet meet all of the the points but yes come come find sangha come find community uh, come be with the folks uh, that's that's the thing uh, and that uh, because of uh, your location there's not very many uh, Asian watts around but for most people like in the states or in Europe I would recommend you don't have to come to Thailand that you can in fact find what you're looking for uh, in the country that you're in but for your situation uh, and having to travel, it's probably about the same cost to come to Thailand as it would be to go to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. No, what what would determine that is like the where where it is easier to do restrictions or less restrictions. Like if I get a visa to the States, uh, I would plan to join uh, a WAD in the States for a while, or maybe the easiest would be to find a one in Europe. But if what I if Thailand is viable, then I think I would yeah. rather go meet. Right. And not only that, age. but it's a much cheaper, it's much easier to live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That money in Thailand is a different commodity than the almighty dollar in in the West or the Euro. Uh, and and so, uh, yeah, if if you have to go travel anyway, then Thailand is for sure the best way to come. And more and more people are thinking about coming. And right now we have several that are that are staying. Uh, That's great. Right. And in fact, Laurent uh, is has already spent the 30, the 45 days and now the 30 days. And now we're working with immigration to see whether they can stay or do they have to go to Malaysia to get the, uh, the visa. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot. Actually, a lot of guys also come to Tainan and then go back because they didn't leave completely clean in the first place. And there's nothing wrong with that. That in fact, um, it took me four trips to India before I fully committed to staying in Asia. Yeah. No, I would uh, be doing that too. I have to figure out uh, what to do with my cats, leave some money or stuff for my parents and stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, you would. You would need some some money. I would say that uh, uh, the cost of the plane ticket, plus probably about five thousand dollars, would be enough to give you complete comfort that you can handle anything for a long time. Because after you've you know, first off, is that you learn to get really frugal so that you don't mm -hmm. spend a lot of money. And so you wind up the only money that we're spending is for visas. And then we kind of figure that out and and get a better visa. And then you don't need so much money. That uh, um, rent, even like this house, this house, we got there's six people live in this house. It's a really nice house. And it is about $190 a month. And that includes the water, the electricity, and everything. 
Wow. That's nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that, that's pretty cheap. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> in the old days, I would go from one retreat center to another or spending time in Watson. In fact, I bicycled from, from Bangkok to Watson Mok that first time. And uh, always would stop in the late afternoon and meet the monks and then spend the night at a watch. So I've been in a lot of different watch long before I was uh, 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 at Watson Mok. But I did that because of the free cheap rent. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you can get free or cheap rent uh, easy. Another thing that I would do was when I would arrange for transportation, I would always arrange for a night train or a night boat or whatever like that, just so I didn't have to have um, a room, that the room was the traveling also. Yeah. Like, that's too extreme. <laughs> and so I learned how to be really cheap, really frugal that way. Uh, uh, and so uh, you don't really need that much money for the long term. Just enough to get the visa thing straightened out and then we can handle it. And if you stay at a Watt, and especially if you ordain and stay at a Watt, then they will take care of the visa for you. In fact, Thailand has gotten really easy. In the old days, getting a religious visa took some work. Now, all I've heard is, is that they'll stamp it. All you need to do is to get like Achan Po's signature on that piece <laughs> of paper that they send out. Here, go get him to sign this. And he, we bring that back with his signature and they know him. And they'll give you a year's visa right then and there. Okay. Oh, okay, then so. I, I'll focus on saving some money and then we'll talk. All right. Yeah, yeah. save some money up and uh, um, then you can do it. But meanwhile, back to the point that we were talking about, and that is the idea of Sangha, is just that to come and find some noble friends to be with, because ordinary friends uh, will kind of drag you down into their to their level. And what we want is to be around people who are going to uplift us and bring us up to their level. What I find also is that you can or I can find things that I admire in everyday people or yeah, not necessarily down friends. And in that way, like focusing on that, they bring me up in that thing that I admire about them. Right. Absolutely. So find admirable friends. <laughs> no, I mean, yes. find friends that you can admire. Mm -hmm. That's what yeah. we're talking about. It, but and don't, don't you do that? It, well, everybody has some admirable qualities. Yeah. The question is, is what are they distributing or what are they exhibiting right now? Are they actually being friendly or are they being selfish or they are? Are they being remorse? Uh, uh, that's the question. And the answer to that is pay attention. Look closely. Mm -hmm. Find things in other people that you admire and tell them so. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking that what I just said may 
appear like contradictory to the, what I was saying before that I don't really I'm not really friendly to most people but I was referring to the fact that like most of my friends or really all my friends that I feel close to are not Dama friends mm-hmm. and I wouldn't say that I feel I'm better than them no I, I feel like a little in, in a noble way but <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, like I a little in in the Dama sense, but not in general as person. I see them as equals, you know. Okay, well, one of the things that we have to understand is is that there is a time and a place for teaching the Dhamma, and that there is a certain kind of time and a place where it's not good. And let me give you an example of that. Uh, you've you've heard of the uh, Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things that the Salvation Army does is they have a meal. They feed the people that come to their meetings, and then they have the meeting. That if somebody comes for uh, 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 to the uh, Salvation Army, and that they're hungry and they find no food there, then they'll go someplace else. So that's the beginning of the, uh, that you give people what they need. And so when someone is in grief, uh, the Dhamma dude does not um, try to teach them the Dhamma in the sense of how to not grieve, but rather they teach it in the way of, Uh, solving the immediate problem to deal with the grief and after the person is finished with their grief when they get fed for that then later we can teach them how to not grieve but while someone is grieving we can't teach them how to not grieve we have to help them with their grief right now the same thing is true with misery the same thing is true with anger the same thing is true with fear <coughs> that in, with ordinary people you have to deal with them in whatever situation that they're in now if that ordinary person is in a state where you have admiration for them then how to deal with that is by is by telling them so is to let them know that you appreciate their admirable qualities. So that's the way of, of always taking it in the here now to deal with people the way that they are. And sometimes ordinary people are going to show you admirable qualities, but when you're around nobles, that's basically about all you're going to get from them is their admirable qualities. Yeah, I guess that okay. I wouldn't, I can't imagine yet what what it's like to live in a noble community. Like, since I haven't experienced it, I, don't, I can't imagine the, the benefit of it. Well, come. Make friends. That's one of the disadvantages, by the way, of the retreats is because the style of the retreat is, is that everybody comes and is in silence. You might be able to say hello on the first day and say hello on the end of the day, or the end of the retreat, but you're prevented from making any close connections with anybody in the retreat because the retreat is the place just to go get one's own mind straightened out. 
And so there is no concept or uh, possibility of Sangha within a retreat. Perhaps that's something that we should, in fact, start looking at is how can we have a retreat to where silence is not um, a part of it, but in fact, sharing and becoming friends as well as practicing is actually what we're looking for. And so we could do that kind of a retreat. But nobody is doing any retreats like that. That's actually that kind of retreat would be closer to what is referred to in psychology as group therapy. Mm-hmm. That we could actually do it in a group. Yeah. And so that's um, uh, the way that we're looking at things now is, is that let's get our insides fixed up and straightened out get ourselves nourished, get ourselves uh, uh, in the right attitude, get our mojo going. And then we can carry that into the community. And so that's where metta comes in. Metta is giving away gifts that you actually have. But the way that metta is practiced in the West is the practice of pretending to give gifts that you pretend to have or maybe don't have. If you don't have meta, how can you hope for worse for all beings to be happy when you're not happy yourself? No, we have to say, um, instead of may all beings be happy, let's have the beings around us that we can influence. Let's help them be happy. And so we become part of that Sangha that way in the sense of helping others to come out of their misery, to come out of their anger to and uh, to come into nourishment, even though they don't have a practice, at least. And then people like to be around you. Yeah, that that's something that that's easier to pay attention to, like how uh, your your moods are syncing with the other person. Um, how um, I was listening to a podcast on that it's specifically like how the balance between the activation of the sympathetic of the parasympathetic systems, how they balance between the people that are in, interacting that it creates that sense of social comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, just looking at the person and maybe try to imagine a bit what they're feeling and try to match it in a way that's going in a positive positive direction. Actually, there's an important point, and I've gotten this point from both Achan Po and the Dhamma, as well as in psychology. <clears throat> and that is, we really don't know what's happening inside a person. We really don't know how they feel. But what we do know is their behavior. And so let's pay close attention to the behavior because that will give us insights into how they feel. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we know. It just means that we can see them behaving in a certain way. Yeah. And most of that is not going to be on the face. Are they smiling or are they frowning? Are they looking away or do they hold eye contact?
do their eyes flitter around when they're thinking or can they stay focused while they're <laughs> while they're talking and so that's um but in fact by doing that by beginning to watch other people's faces it also uh helps us to become more aware of our own face and how we present ourselves to others. That we're not scatterbrained, we're not flittering with the eyes around, we're not looking down, but we're here now, looking. And that's something that I also <laughs> will say that I've noticed that about you. Yeah. And I'm congratulating you yourself because you you can keep your eyes focused and and straight not everybody can do that no still like i i like to to look another way when i'm not sure about what i'm going to say because if i'm not sure what i'm going to say i look straight at the other person then i focus more on the face and i can focus on thinking what i want to say but mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, to me, it's not a, about uh, maybe inattention, but uh, maybe lack of lack of fluency in speech. Lack of what? Fluency. OK, all right. So in fact, paying attention to other people's faces and paying attention to what they say will help that fluidity in the sense of let's not go off into what we want to think and what we're going to say and all of that. Let's stay focused on what's happening right now. That when, it's, when it comes your turn to talk, all you have to do is to remember kind of the last thing that they said and off you go with that. That while they're speaking, <laughs> while they're talking for, let us say a whole minute, they'll say a whole lot of stuff. And you don't have to grab a, one of those things and then run with it in your own mind while, and not listen to the last 30 seconds that they're saying. We don't have to plan on what we're saying. And so all you have to do is listen to the last thing that they say. In the sense of now I know what I'm going to, to talk about. And so that happens again right there in the moment. We don't have to plan in advance that when people are planning in advance what they're going to say next, they're not really listening to what they're what the other person is saying. They're not really paying attention to them. Instead, what we're doing is thinking about what I'm going to say next. And if you're quiet like you are, then that means that you have a much better chance of listening anyway, because you're not jumping ready to talk. You just let them talk for a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, in, in a way that in fact directly so, this is Anapanasati right then and there. When you're with another person, let's pay attention to them. Let's listen to them. Let's look at them. This is your object of meditation is that other person right there in front of you. They're Sangha. They're your friends. They're your reality right now. <laughs> OK, I can play with that. Yeah, you can play with that. <laughs> Excellent.
All right, well, I've got another guy calling, so why don't we finish this conversation? It's been a really good one. We've lasted about an hour, but we only recorded about 30 minutes of it. So uh, That's fine. this has been great. Eric, yeah. I'm really glad to have you as a friend. Me too, Demarado. <laughs> have a good one. All right, we'll see you later. Mm -hmm. Thanks for calling.